delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV, taking a bite out of technology. Hello, and welcome to episode 494 of The Two Techies for Saturday, January 18th, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in around an hour or less with Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. We come together once a week to talk about, discuss, debate, converse, scrutinize and explore the world of technology. On this week's episode, proprietary connections in 2020. Apple reignites a privacy battle with the US administration. And the small tech companies fight back against monopolies. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 494 of the Zoo Techies for, as we said, January 18th, 2020. Aaron, do you see what was a miracle on the screen? The fact that this is our first try, you read it all perfectly first time around and we haven't had to redo it. No, that always happens. Sorry, yes, it does. Yeah, I mean, that was a long time ago we were making those mistakes, wasn't it? Absolutely, yes. I love how you say we. Makes me feel inclusive. Well, I don't like to... Uh, against monopology... Monopologies. Ah, yes. <laughs> Who spelled that? Was that you, Aaron? Hang on a minute. We're not, it was me. I'm sorry. No, you fixed it. Thanks. Fixing your formatting issues. <laughs> Excuse me. Right, okay. The show, 494. Welcome. Hello, Hello. Hi, are we? Cold. It is very cold. There is nothing I like more... Thanks, Ford. But there is nothing I like more than rolling around on a car park when it's minus two degrees outside, <laughs> trying to extract water from places in a car that it shouldn't be on a car that <laughs> I don't water. expect to be having issues with. Me and cars that have issues when they get wet, can you name a more iconic duo? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mazda MX-5, no, apparently Ford Focus. Yeah, sorry about that. Wasn't my fault. I didn't touch it. I mean, I mean, we were both in England last weekend, but luckily, not at your car, because it would have been my fault then, I'm sure. I just, it's incredible. If anyone has a Ford Focus and your window fogs up in three seconds flat when you leave it for three seconds, check under your spare wheel to see if you've got an indoor swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the rubber bands out, or armbands? Uh, honestly, I I was thinking of going to the store and getting a uh, like a rubber duck and whatnot. Or, you know, <laughs> actually kitting it out as a proper endorsement. But you could have a diving board into there. It was incredible. You could have sent it to Ford and said, you know, sort this out. Yeah. No, I made it a marketing plethora. Actually, I saw that yesterday um, online. It said how to you know how to draw the attention of a car company, and it must have, obviously reading from the, the the photo, someone was holding a huge sign outside Audi dealer and it said purchased brand new IDQ7 2019 model engine fault or warning light on no fix available and then it must have been his partner wife so on so forth girlfriend significant other whatever and she was holding a sign saying ask us or talk to us before buying an Audi (laughs) I thought that's one way to get their attention if they're not helping you out that's what you get for buying a Q7 I said it (laughs) I said it I went there (laughs) Mm. 
and an indoor swimming. Did did you pay for the optional extra? Well, I mean, that's what I or, thought. You know, if I would have taken that to four, they would have turned it around. The excellent salespeople that they are, hint of sarcasm, they would have turned it around and basically sold it again to me as a feature with the car. Ready for summer, indoor swimming pool. Everyone else will be jealous. <laughs> Maybe it's just, you know, the, the air conditioning just condensed a little bit more than what was expected. It is the fact that they make holes in the back of cars for air to get in and out. Otherwise, when you close the door, there would be an air pre- you know your ears would pop when you uh, slam the door shut yeah because the air would have nowhere to go whereas Ford obviously designed such an excellent system that this one-way air escape actually is a, is a, is a two-way and when water trickles off the top of the car down past the uh, taillight um, they cheap out on the seals around these vents actually they don't put any seals at all they're just held in by some loose plastic clips and the water just goes straight inside and I I am not kidding. When I pulled the bung out, it must have been a litre or two litres of water that came out of this cavity. And basically, the cavity fills up to a certain point. It overflows through the ground connection on the rear fuse box into the wow. boot. The boot fills up so much, it then goes over the back of the boot, down under the uh, rear passenger seats, and soaks all your floors and under your seat. It's a fantastic design. Like I say, indoor swimming pool, if you leave it for long enough in the rain, you'll not only have the optional extra of a swimming pool, in your boot, you'll also have it while you drive under your uh, pedals. It's fantastic. <laughs> you can even put some little fish in there and you can have those, you know, you know those those massaging, not massaging fish, those, you know, people pay money. Pedicure. Yes, it, pedicure. People, yeah, people pay pedicure. money for that type of thing. Just buy a Ford. <laughs> As you can tell, not bitter. <laughs> mm. I apologise. Yeah. That's all right. Fix or repair daily. Full of rubbish Ford designs. Things. I mean, come on, we can't, can't be too... Found on road dead. Can't, can't be too harsh on Ford. I mean, they still make good cars. No? Uh, yeah. I mean, this is my second one, so I will keep going. Yeah, they're doing something That, right. that heated front window keeps bringing me back, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Find, find a niche, patent it, and uh, sell your product on it. We'll talk about that later in the show. Actually, it's perfect um, where the segment on to the, the next part. Um, given that the smaller tech companies are, are starting to fight back against the monopolies, such as, well, the big tech companies. And we're talking about Sonos, Tile, PopSocket. They're all testifying against the tech giants this week. Apple has uh, reignited a privacy battle with the US administration by declining to unlock a mass shooter's iPhone. It's a very touchy subject, given the fact of what it is. Um, and we'll talk about that as well. And no, the EU isn't asking Apple to kill the lightning cable just yet. Um, there is a little around proprietary connections. We'll talk about that later on the show. Before then, we're going to go to the quick news. Some AirPods Pro owners have been complaining about degraded noise cancellation in recent weeks, claiming that Apple's latest earbuds suddenly got less effective at silencing ambient noise after receiving a firmware update. Artings.com retested the AirPods Pro and found their noise cancelling capabilities to be worse after firmware update 2C54. But affected customers say the trouble began even earlier with firmware version 2B588, which rolled out back in November. Apple later pulled firmware 2C54 for unknown reasons. It's phenomenon, the perception that a software update has ruined noise cancellation, has also been reported by owners of Bose and Sony products. Bose has faced a month-long controversy over its QuietComfort 35.2 headphones, with some customers insisting that an update drastically worsened the level of noise cancellation from the cans compared to their original out-of-the-box performance. There are a lot of people who say they've experienced the, this issue and it's even escalated 
to the point where Bose is now visiting customers at home to get a handle on whatever's going on. Sony's also dealt with similar complaints about some of its headphones. The question really is, are, are companies really screwing up this badly? Our customers are managing a problem where one doesn't exist. The Mozilla Corporation, maker of the popular Firefox web browser, has had better days, according to TechCrunch report. In a recent internal memo, longtime Mozilla chairwoman and interim CEO Mitchell Baker announced the company would lay off approximately 70 employees. The story was rapidly confirmed as laid-off Mozilla staffers announced their departures. Why the layoffs? You asked in the blog post, Baker wrote, Mozilla has a strong line of sight on future revenue generation from our core business. In some ways, this makes this, sec- or this action harder and we're deeply distressed about the effect on our colleagues. However, to responsibly make additional investments in innovation to improve the internet, we can and must work within the limits of our core finances. NBC Universal streaming service Peacock will cost subscribers anywhere from absolutely nothing to $10 a month. But Comcast is hoping a mix of exclusives and bonus content will convince people to pay. Comcast and NBC Universal announced this week that Peacock will be available in three tiers. A free option that comes with limited programming and ad-supported complete version It is free to existing Comcast customers and a $5 a month for everyone else. The $10 a month ad-free subscription option is also open to everyone. That one is known as Peacock Premium. Peacock Free will consist of 7,500 hours of programming, including next day access to current seasons, the first year NBC shows, universal movies and curated content such as SNL, Vault and Family Movie Night. And finally, Microsoft has pledged to remove all of the carbon from the environment that it has emitted since the company was founded in 1975. Chief Executive Sachin Nadella said he wanted to achieve the goal by 2050. To do so, the company aims to become a carbon-negative company by 2030, removing more carbon from the environment than it emits. That goes beyond a pledge by its cloud computing rival Amazon, which intends to go carbon-neutral by 2040. When it comes to carbon, neutrality is not enough, said Microsoft President Brad Smith. The carbon in our atmosphere has created a blanket of gas that traps heat and is changing the world's climate. He added in a blog post, if we do not curb emissions and temperatures continue to climb, science tells us that the results will be catastrophic. The company also announced it was setting up a $1 billion climate innovation fund to develop carbon tackling technologies. So first off, AirPods Pro owners, as which both of us currently are. Again, I used mine on, on two flights through uh, the week there, and they were fine. And and I used them on flights just under two months ago. They were also fine. The, uh, I, I haven't noticed any difference. No, I, I, I've checked which firmware version my pros are on, and it is this affected 2C54 that has been pulled, and I'm with you. I couldn't tell the difference. Probably don't use them enough to be able to actually notice a difference. I did read one report that said um, that audio response or something has been improved, but noise cancellation kind of uh, came at, at an expense. I also saw someone point out about the Bose issue, uh, that they've been 
facing in recent months that actually it could be a little bit of a skewed test um, due to some time between tests and things and, and, and people's feedback is obviously things like the foam around the, the cans or the headphones deteriorates over time and that can have an effect on the noise cancelling ability. So, so as a headphone ages, it, it can get worse, not through software updates or anything, but uh, just, just for how hardware ages. So um, yeah. it's interesting to see obviously hearing that Bose are going to pretty extreme lengths um, by visiting people in their homes to try and get to the end. Get to the <laughs> That's very of that. interesting. It shows you that they're they're very concerned over this. Yeah, I also think it shows that it clearly was not intentional. Um, oh, I think yeah. It, yeah. It, if a company goes, oh, that was a bug, or oh, you know, we we re- had to reduce that to improve X, Y, and Z, then I think you know they they either reverse it, pull the update like Apple have, do something else to improve it, or or, or whatever, or, or flat out deny it. But to actually clearly put a lot of effort into trying to solve the problem, I think shows that it is something they're baffled by or genuinely confused by. Um, it is interesting that I think the question that gets raised at the end, um, and it's something we've spoken about a lot, is a big thing over recent years is, is software gets updated, whether it be hardware or, or OSs or apps or whatever it is, and the product gets worse for the customer. IKEA, uh, another recent big name that they pushed the uh, after forever delaying the HomeKit update to everyone for things like blinds and whatnot. Um, they finally pushed it like three weeks ago, beginning of the year. Um, and they seem to push it to US only, which is a little weird. Thought that Europe was going to follow shortly after. Lo and behold, it didn't. Put out a release like a week ago going, oh yeah, it was full of bugs. It's like, oh, okay. Um, you know, great, great quality control there. Your quality control has been the world telling you there's bugs. This is why public beta and betas and things exist. Seems to be happening, seems to be something, sorry, that's happening more and more. More and more software gets rushed out. I don't know if we as consumers are putting pressure on these companies companies to, to stay new, stay relevant, or whatever it is. But yeah, general quality seems a little bit uh, flaky recently. Inept, yeah. And and that's that's the question. I think because there's so much competition, a lot of the time it's just a race to see who can get the, the latest exactly. firmware update or technology update out, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. The fact that this is a mass complaint, though, sort of says to me that there is something here, that there is some substance to it. It's not just dumbfounded. And yeah... I mean, a few people complaining, fine, but something to make the news that all of a sudden makes you realise, okay, there's there's more than a few people that, you know that who are frustrated here. So clearly there is a problem. Just what the problem is? Mozilla, not good news. Layoffs are never good news. Seventy employees, which is uh, by by no imagination a small chunk of any firm's employees, regardless of how many they have. And I guess there are two sides to this because what could happen is if Mozilla didn't forward plan, and I'm not defending any job losses, I'm not saying, you know, and so on, but just from, from both perspectives, if Mozilla were to not react and not do something about the potential problem, this could spell a bigger problem down the line. And that's typically how companies work. They, they don't react to issues and all of a sudden they have a bigger issue on their hands two, three, five, ten years down the line. And, and all of a sudden the company has to default. And then a lot of people criticize and say, well, why didn't they do something beforehand? We've seen... So companies are sometimes in a, in a difficult predicament. Do they react now and unfortunately affect some people or do they react later and affect everyone? And I'm not saying... <laughs> by no means am I saying job losses are good or in any way positive. But I think it's positive to see Mozilla are trying to forward plan. It's a competitive market. It is 2020. Unfortunately, companies run very tight on tight margins in every aspect resource profit revenue 
allocations, everything. Um, and so it's positive to see Mozilla are are concerned about their future, but it's obviously not positive the steps they've taken, but they, they, they feel they have to. We've seen so many companies over the years fall by the wayside for similar reasons. They clearly hire too many people too quickly and cash flow money just becomes an issue. We have to remember that we look at a lot of tech companies, a lot of online companies, and, and their, their revenue tends to come from things like online advertising and like slightly nefarious reasons, whereas obviously Mozilla, I believe it's run as a charity, I could be wrong, but Firefox, Mozilla, their whole shtick is fighting against that kind of thing. So they rely on things like donations and outside investment, I believe. Um, I'm sure there are other ways they make money as well. Like it's, you know, they they, they clearly run on a, they have to run a tight ship and I'm with you. Layoffs are never good. I don't know how many employees they have. It would be interesting. Is is 70 a lot? You know, do they only have 100 or or, or do they have 10,000? You know, how many is 70? What division are they from? Um, it's it's a little bit slightly out of context from when I think you don't know where that 70 comes from. Not a whole reason, I think, to be worried about Mozilla anytime soon. I, I refuse to believe that Firefox and, and Mozilla are going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but yeah, layoffs are never good. But as you say, a, a company doing a little bit of forward planning, we do have to kind of take every cloud with a little bit of a silver lining. Exactly. NBC's Peacock streaming service... <laughs> Am I? Is it just me thinking of the song? No, you're thinking it too. I have no. I genuinely don't know what song. Katy Perry. No. Oh, well, I mean, never mind. It's fine. Tell you what, it has only just clicked with me why they've called it Peacock because of their logo. I think I've been reading that story for several days now, and no, uh, well, at all points I've been going, that's a bit of a weird name, but at no point did it click that it's named after their logo. (laughs) Fair enough. I can't say I did either, but I'm I'm just pretending that uh, I did. So, Aaron, you didn't realize. Also, can we just point out that yay, another streaming service? I know it's becoming so fragmented, so bogged down. It's going to really turn 180. It's, it's going to go back to cable. I'm, I'm predicting it. If if because all of a sudden it defeats the point of having streaming services, especially when there's so many exclusive deals and different content here, there, and everywhere. It is such a, a sudden hard, you're paying more. It is such a hard argument to make though, because we're sitting here going, "Oh, so much choice is a bad thing." Whereas for literally everything else, we're like, "Choice is fantastic," and competition and this, that, and the other. But like, this is the one instance where can we just have one company that rules it? all please um which like i say such a flip side to how how we normally operate we're normally more the merrier more options the better but when it comes to to video and what and streaming content like imagine if when you listen to music like if you wanted to listen to music distributed under the warner brothers group it was um you had to sign up to this service and if you wanted artists that were on universal's group you had to sign up to this service like we're so spoiled in the music world where everything is on one one or two services um it's such a shame that uh, shame I don't know if shame is the right word I think you we, we do have to look at it slightly from a, a content creator's perspective obviously if NBC makes something or pay for something and then put it on Netflix Netflix are obviously taking their cut it's less for the content creator um, so I can see why so many of, of these uh, broadcasting houses these networks are creating their own streaming services because more pieces of the pie even if you have less customers you still potentially make more money in the long run um and a lot of them have the rights to some pretty big shows um we know that friends has been i think batting back and forth between a couple services in the states and i believe friends one that's going to M- this nbc thing I, i'm not sure but like i think netflix in the u.s i'm not sure if it applies worldwide 
because none of this is launching worldwide, but they're, they're losing the rights to some pretty big shows. Obviously, Netflix have the advantage that Take Friends, for example, probably not the reason that people subscribe to Netflix. It just happens to be a bonus. Um, Netflix really did start making original content at the perfect time. Um, so yeah, it's I don't want to get to a point where we're having to pay 50, 60, 70, 80 quid a month to sign up to five, six, seven, eight different uh, services just to get a fraction of the content we actually want to watch because we go back to a world where okay people will just pirate stuff you have to remember that we've spoken about piracy and things massively over the years and one of the things we always drew the conclusions to is there are people who pirate because they don't want to pay for stuff that will always like that that's just going to be a hard one to fix but there are a lot of people who they pirated because the content wasn't available um before netflix and before amazon prime a lot of these services started getting shows that would air in the states um or Sky or any of them, there was, if something was made in the US, there was a huge timeline between it arriving internationally or in the UK specifically. You could be talking six months, a year, and people didn't want to wait that time. People would be, a lot of people would be more than happy to throw money at that kind of problem, which is the solution we, we, we've kind of been able to, to get to recently. Um, you see Netflix do it. Uh, I think The Good Place, for example, airs on, might be NBC, I think. I don't know if it's a Netflix original. There are some shows that are like aired and then hours later they're available internationally on Netflix, which is fantastic because you, you're paying for it. You're more than happy to pay for it. You've only got to wait a minimal amount of time. Whereas if we're getting to the point again where, okay, so we're going back into the world of exclusives and we've got to sign up for six different services and all oh, there may be a wait time. Oh, this NBC thing isn't international. So where does it go? It's like, that's what will just lead people back down the path of pirating it. People want to, a lot of people want to pay for this stuff, but if you make it difficult, people will just go back to, to how it used to be. And that's not a justification of piracy. Oh, 100%. What you're, what you're doing yeah. is, is, is just identifying the pattern in the trend that, that occurs here, which is true. And, and multiple studies have found that when the content becomes massively available over a, a short period of time or in a, an accessible manner, piracy drops and vice versa. Microsoft are uh, pitching the way for what seems to be positive progress in, in this area. And this tech companies are continually under severe pressure to do this and to become more green, if that's the word for it. And that's because tech companies are seen to be long-term players. They will continue to survive, even as the other companies and other industries which are more focused around non-green technologies don't. And so what Microsoft said that they will remove all of the carbon from the environment they have emitted since they were founded in 1975 by 2050. That is pretty big. So what they're saying is they're going to have to become carbon neutral and then become carbon negative. And they are saying they will beat Amazon in it by a country mile. More companies need to do this. We've praised companies like Apple for years who have been, I don't necessarily know on their carbon impact, but they've always, or for a long time, they've been, our stuff is made of recycled materials. You know, we're reducing packaging, this, that, and the other. And you you visibly see it in products. It's like, I was just thinking about it the other day when I bought my iPhone 11. I think the 7 was the same as well. Um, actually, even a difference between the 7 and the 11, the power brick 
comes wrapped in a a protection kind of sheet. Whereas I think on the 7, and I know definitely before, that was plastic. Whereas now it's like this kind of wax papery type material, so it's recyclable. Um, if you remember, probably going back a little further, uh, headphones with Apple products used to come in a hard shell plastic case in the box, whereas now they're just kind of wrapped in a piece of cardboard. Same with cables, they used to come in a little plastic sleeve back in, uh, kind of back probably five, six, seven years ago, whereas now just a couple of cardboard tabs. Because all these things that these companies have been doing, and we see it more and more, um, there's so much that you buy from... The, I think the bigger name tech companies are better at it, where it's all cardboard or it's as, as recyclable as they can make it. There are still companies that fail miserably at doing it. Um, Amazon is still the king of, yes, I appreciate cardboard is recyclable, but if you put it in the right size packaging in the first place, obviously not having it is still better than and having to recycle it. Um, mm. So many companies wrap too much stuff in plastic. The food industry is one of the biggest culprits of it. Um, a lot of companies, they may look great on the surface, and I, I think they, they may say they're doing the best, and they may look like they're doing the best, but they still push their manufacturing to countries that probably care less about the environment than others. Um, it's all great if your corporate HQ is all carbon neutral and whatnot, but if you're manufacturing it in you know horrible conditions, you know in places that probably care less about their, their carbon output, then it kind of, one doesn't make up for the other we need to fix all of it and tech is such a big thing tech is one of the industries there are obviously many industries but tech is one of the biggest industries that i think can do a lot um, they can solve a lot of problems they can obviously pave the way with technology to solve these problems whether it be how your company office runs your data center runs where that energy comes from that's obviously a big thing uh, data centers running on renewable energy um, still more that can be done manufacturing processes so much how it gets to the customer you know obviously having great you you made it all out of recyclable material then you're sticking it on a boat halfway around the world like it, things offset the other um tech company i love the fact that the environment has become this like cool marketing thing i think we all have to see it as it is just a marketing thing at the end of the day for these companies they see it as a as a as a positive thing but we have yeah. to appreciate the fact that them seeing it as a positive thing does help um i like the fact it's become a cool thing to do um, it has to be, you know. There's no, there's no denying it is. It is a problem. It has been a problem and will be a problem for some time. But anything we can do, anything big tech companies can do to help solve it, even beyond the tech industry, we need to do. So I think it's fantastic to see companies like Microsoft, like Amazon, making the pledge. I like the fact it's become a race as well. It's like we're gonna do it by 2040. Well, we're gonna do it by 2030. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. it's just that's great to see, isn't it? Like it's competition for saving the environment we're all about competition like race to the bottom on prices and this that, and the other but it's like actually i'm quite happy to see a race to the bottom on who can become carbon negative or neutral first yeah and that's exactly it it this it's the same in the tech industry full stop it's innovation is bred by competition and so when there's a competing factor there the tech company wants to do it quicker so that's good that, that can only be positive speaking of competition sonos tile and PopSocket have all testified against the tech giants after a patent lawsuit against google last week sonos is ready to go after them and potentially other tech giants in front of congress this week the audio company's ceo is testifying uh, for the house of judiciary committee committee sorry uh, alongside executives from PopSocket, tile and basecamp all of which have complained about copying unfair pressure uh, or even a shakedown at the hands of the big silicon Valley companies. The hearing is part of a long string of similar events held by an antitrust subcommittee under the name Online Platforms and Market Power. Previous events have covered the intersection of competition and topics like press freedom 
privacy, entrepreneurship. This session, the fifth in the series, examines competitors in the digital economy. It's being held remotely at the University of Colorado Law School and it's streaming through their channel online. Essentially... In all the cases, the smaller companies had other options for selling or promoting their work. Google controls the vast majority of search traffic. Amazon is hugely dominant in the retailing industry. Apple runs a big chunk of the phone market. Facebook's notably absent from the list of targets here, despite being the subject of an antitrust investigation as well. But we're likely to see a wide-ranging combination of big tech companies and a continuation of an ongoing backlash against Silicon Valley. They're almost too big for their own good now. Regardless of what they do, they're going to be seen as anti-competitive. I think I loved some of the things that were coming out of this. I love um, DHH, Daniel, yes, sec- a second name, but DHH, fantastic person to follow on Twitter. He's CEO, co-founder of Basecamp. It's funny to see like PopSocket, uh, Tile, um, like these companies turn up in like their suits and ties and whatnot, and there he is in his, in his t-shirt. I love it. Um, yeah. He's written some fantastic books. He's also a racing driver, so you know, I'm slightly biased. But um, they all made fantastic points. Uh, Pop Sockets was one where it's like, I think I went into a game. What are they doing there? Um, mm. Their big one was against Amazon, actually. It was super interesting. Um, he went on to talk about Amazon selling counterfeits and bullying his company. At one point, Pop Sockets was telling Amazon about a thousand fake products a day with absolutely no recourse. At the same time, Amazon was lowering the prices it was charging consumers and then demanding payment from Pop Sockets for the lost margin, even though the contract had a set price in it. After Pop Sockets told Amazon it was legal. Leaving the relationship, Amazon basically said, no, you're not leaving the relationship. Um, CEO said it was unbelievable. After that, DHH went up to talk about Google. Their monopoly on internet search is near total and their bribes to companies like Apple ensures no competition will emerge. Google doesn't enforce trademarks in ads except for its own products. Then the enforcement is swift. Uh, He then went in to go in on Apple and the App Store. Obviously something we've spoken about many times over the years. Every application maker using the App Store lives in fear that their application is denied. All it takes is being assigned the wrong clerk, and then you'll be stuck in an appeals process that would make Kafka blush. Uh, going in for the hat trick, um, the acquisition of Instagram or WhatsApp, I assume this is Facebook, uh, should never have been approved and should be undone. He kind of closes with, soon every company will be competing with big tech. Help us Congress, your only hope. I like the little Star Wars reference. Um, then Tile were up. Um, um, kind of pointing out a little bit of an interesting one with Apple because it's like it's kind of based around a product that doesn't actually exist yet, but we are sure. You remember the fact we've talked about Apple releasing a location product probably the last kind of year or so. Um, yeah. They say last April reports came out that Apple will be coming out with a competing device. Shortly thereafter, they told us we wouldn't be in their stores anymore. That's coming from Tile's general counsel. Uh, the Find My app cannot be deleted from iOS, but Tile can. Find My settings are enabled by one switch during installation, but Tiles are buried and in iOS. 13, it reminds them to turn it off. Tile is also not allowed to use the new UWB radios found in the iPhone 11. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, I think the iPhone 11 has a, I think Apple called it the U1 chip. Um, we believe they're going to use it for whatever this tracking tool comes out, but I think at the moment it's only used for AirDrop. It's like a directional awareness, um, some kind of radio in the phone. Um, it's quite cool with AirDrop because you can like move it around and it can see other devices, if that makes sense. Kind of thing you have to demo. Um, the, sen- the Senate then went on, to, or Congress, sorry, went on to ask their own questions. Um, there's such a dominant power that exists with these companies that when Google or Apple ask 
or something, you have no choice but prov uh, to provide that to those companies. That comes from so uh, CEO of Sonos. Uh, could Google demote you in search if it didn't like how negotiations around voice assistant were going? Uh, the Sonos CEO said, yes, these companies have the power to do all sorts of things that would tilt the playing field. Uh, Spence, again, CEO of Sonos, uh, talking about how Sonos wanted to enable the ability to access Alexa and Google Assistant at the same time. We had it ready. We showed it to Google and Amazon. Amazon said, yes, Google has said, if you're going to do that, Assistant will not be available at all. I've got a Sonos product with the voice assistant in. And one of the things you do when you set it up is you go, which assistant would you like to use? I always assumed it was a Sonos restriction that you had to pick one or the other. But to hear things like this, where actually Sonos wanted to make both available at the same time, but it was one of the companies that decided if you're going to do that, it's not available at all is kind of annoying. Um, this goes on and on. Um, ads come into it at some point. This is a problem that's been going on for years. It's a problem that's only getting worse. We've heard many, many stories, especially when it comes to the bullying through Amazon. Um, Amazon don't sound like a great company to do business with half the time. Um, even if you're an established brand. Apple, the app store forever in contention, kind of hits the nail on the head. Um, if you get assigned to someone who's woken up on the wrong side of the bed, your entire app could be in limbo and you're stuck in appeals processes and that app could be your livelihood. Um, I think we've defended it a little bit unfairly in the past. I know I've probably taken the side of Apple before and I, I think I regret doing that. We've always said that it's Apple's playground. You live by their rules. And I think whilst that still bears a resemblance of truth, I think we do have to look at it as they are the dominant player. Being in the app store is the be all and end all now. Um, they have to provide a fair playground, even if it is their playground. Their rules should be a lot fairer, especially just with the size of market. You get to that point where, yes, you're a private company. Yes, you make your own rules. But unfortunately, like the market share you have, the, the size of the dominance that you have, you have to lax those rules slightly. You have to make it fairer. You have to make it easy is probably the wrong word. Mm. Um, and I don't think we should go to a Google-like system in the App Store. I don't think that's what, the, what, what, what people really want. I think that's too extreme in the other direction. But at least make the process consistent. I see so many developers that I follow on Twitter where it seems like they must spend half their development time. They've submitted to the App Store. The App Store's come back with the, here's the 15 things you can't do, can't use. These are private APIs, yada, yada, yada. You know, that list goes on. Like instead of actually creating the best product they can, they're forever batting back Apple's expectations. And bear in mind, one of the biggest problems people have with that is the fact that Apple don't abide by their own rules or expectations. There are so many things Apple don't allow you to do, yet Apple break pretty much every single one of their own rules. One of the big things is um, you're not allowed to advertise through push notifications. Spoiler alert, Apple's apps all advertise through push notifications, but it's not direct advertisements necessarily, but, you know, when the Apple TV app pops up going, this show just launched on, you know, Apple TV Plus, it's like that is technically an advertisement mm -hmm. and so many companies or so many apps have been rejected for said thing. But when Apple do it, oh, it's fine because it's their own playground. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Their size, their, 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 their monogamy is resulting in a blind eye, essentially. 100%. And the list goes on. Like I say, Google, we've spoken about time and time again. Um, they're an ad company, not a search company. They have the power to ruin you as a company if if, you, if, they, if they don't like you, um, which I probably comes under so many other laws, but whether that gets enforced, whole another story. Mm. The list goes on and on. Um, it is truly little guy versus the big guy in the world nowadays. And it's so, I think, unfortunate. I think you don't even have to go back that far. I, 
and there was space for everyone. No one was too big, if that made sense. There, were, there, there have always been big companies and small companies. There have been David versus Goliath for a long time. Nobody's pretending that's a new thing. But I think some of these tech companies have just reached that that other level in the atmosphere. Like it's they're not just untouchable now. It's not that they have such a big following that it's difficult. It's not just that it's impossible, if that makes sense. It's the fact that they have so much power, it feels like they are the decision maker. We've laughed for years about how we, we've even come up with a kind of term for it, uh, with Sherlocking in the Apple world that people who make apps, people who make devices or whatever for macOS or iOS forever live in fear that Apple will decide that's a good idea and then steal it and build it into the OS. Happened all the time. Mm. Um, And some of it we go, okay, that's a fairly obvious thing. But some of it, it's like, that's just Apple stealing features. Like, it's just Apple stealing other people's ideas and and building it into the OS and basically leaving these people out to dry. I believe Sherlock was a Spotlight, um, obviously before Spotlight existed. Um, I don't know if you ever remember, I don't know if you've used the Mac long enough to remember when every Mac you had used to install something called growl notifications and yeah. it's spoiler just, alert, just exactly like push notifications ended up looking on Mac OS that's a grey area that's like a, a fairly obvious thing um, apps used to have to build their own support for growl whereas when it was offered as, as a system level it is slightly easier but yeah. I'm talking about that kind of thing companies really feel like they've reached that other level they are not only impossible to compete with but they dictate so much of basically your own success. Um, the startup face, the startup space, I think, has never had more players in it, or has never had more players in it, um, in a good way. But I think the chances of any succeeding, we joke about it with social networks. When it comes to Facebook, it's like we always say, it's like, well, anyone can knock Facebook off off their their, their pedestal. Um, they knocked MySpace off before, but I think we're at the point where it's like Facebook is so massive that it's like they actually control so much of this industry. It's like this battle of little guy versus the big guy that that disparity between the two is just enormous now um so it'll be interesting to see i think what comes out of this in the long term i'm sure we'll continue to cover it this is very much the kind of research stages i think for for the likes of congress um they've obviously spoken about before that they want to or certain members have spoken out before that they want to break up big tech and whatnot and obviously we've all formed our own opinions on just why that kind of thing will never work but it's an interesting conversation it's a slightly worrying conversation i think it will be super interesting to see how this plays out over the next i think five ten years 100 percent slightly related slightly not is the idea of proprietary connections to devices apple have always loved proprietary connections and you can use the cynical side to say it increases their revenue which it does or you could use the non-single side well and say well they just want what's best for their product and what will work the best that's probably a load of rubbish but uh, there has been increasing demand on tech companies to move away from proprietary connections especially considering most technologies are now intercompatible and in a world where we're relying on technology becoming as interconnected as possible i.e with smart homes and with the increase of wireless technologies it's really no surprise that these connections are becoming a bit obsolete but apple still continues to use them headlines this week said that the eu is looking to force apple to ditch the lightning cable it's not really true but since 2009 the european commission has been trying to convince tech companies to adopt a single wall charger instead of opting for proprietary methods instead and this also falls down the route of being environmentally friendly i mean if if if, if one company uses one and one uses another and another 
uses another. Well, there's three different chargers you need versus one charger, one cable, or, or you know, it, it, it becomes complicated. Following a recent statement by the Commission at Parliament that calls for a stricter enforcement on the matter, possibly to the point of regulation, a few publications have erroneously convinced that this action could lead to Apple's lightning port and cable disappearing once and for all, forcing Apple to adopt USB-C across the board. That's based on fun- a fundamental misunderstanding of both the, the intent of the EC and how charging will actually work. First, actually, this wasn't about phone cables or connector ports, unlike previously, uh, previous years. Um, it was more to do with wall chargers. Vice President of the European Commission stated that when its quest for the common charger began in 2009, there were over 30 proprietary charging methods in use. Now, apparently, there are just three. Even at that, discarded chargers make up for 51,000 metric tons of e-waste per year. That's crazy. It goes back to what we were saying earlier about tech companies doing better for the environment, doesn't it? Exactly. And such a small change. I mean, I'm, I'm saying small, but it is, it's not significant to the company. Could make such a difference. I think we kind of latch on to Apple as, a, oh, they still use the lightning cable. They, you know, want you to use their proprietary. I think the lightning cable existed before USB-C was out or was at least mainstream. Pretty sure before it was out. And everyone hated the fact that, yes, the cable was better, but oh my God, there were so many cables to replace when they went from the 30 pin to the lightning. I think Apple are like stuck in that place where the longer they leave it the worse ripping the band-aid off will be yep but it'll also be terrible if they do it now like it's there's no good time to do it we thought it was going to be a quicker transition when the ipad when the new ipad pros went over the USB-C. um we thought oh the iphone 11 is going to be USB-C. there's still rumors that this year as in the 12 or whatever 11s or whatever it'll be called the 2020 iphones will be USB-C. It's still a bigger perpetual rumor at this point um obviously apple are all in on you USB-C when it comes to things like the Max, sometimes too all in. Um, I just, I think Apple have a lot of benefits to, to something like the Lightning Connector. Um, again, it's a connector that is very popular. Um, there was an argument not that many years ago before kind of wireless charging became so mainstream that for people like, or for companies like auto manufacturers, so, so people who make cars, it becomes very difficult to create integrated solutions with phones when supporting different connector types is so difficult. So for something like that, a single connector type like USB-C would be perfect. Um, if they can get 95% coverage through providing a USB-C port, let's say, then you know that's great. Whereas if Apple still use the Lightning connector, it becomes more difficult, obviously, with the kind of popularization of things like wireless charging, which is a standard even across uh, different manufacturers. Um, things like that become less of a problem. Obviously, you've still got standards for other con- connectivity like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and whatnot. And so the the port on the bottom of the iPhone does feel like you're going to get to the point where do you actually need it at all? Um, which is yet another rumor. Um, the fact that they might be ditching the port, let alone skipping over to yeah. USB-C. Um, I think, again, we've spoken about this for years. I remember covering it when it was like, oh, they wanted micro USB because um, this was obviously pre-USB-C at that point. Uh, and I think we, we said we said a similar thing at the, at the same time, didn't we? Um, the fact that it's a absolutely positive thing to do. Um, this was back in the day when it's like every phone manufacturer made their own charger. Um, but yeah, um, I don't, I, I think the headlines, as this article said, they get a little bit confused. Everyone thought it was as putting pressure on Apple. But like you say, it was the other way around. It does create an interesting conversation, I think, around connectors. Um, it is funny, though. It's like every Android device just has USB-C. Every yeah. laptop seems to have USB-C. Every desktop is, is kind of getting USB-C. Like, it is just Apple on their own little island. Um, but yeah. 
And it does bring questions in. And, and I think Apple do have a responsibility to look into it and push further. They have started, but they're being very slow on it. Very hesitantly slow. And it will. It will be a hit to their profits, no doubt. Because all of a sudden, when they're not licensing the product, they don't get royalties in for other companies using the proprietary connector. And they don't make money off sales very often because people are buying the cables elsewhere. Didn't Apple... From probably a cheaper source. Didn't Apple have a hand in the USB-C specification? Or am I making that up? I might be making that up. Don't think they do. Mm. They probably Surely don't get licensing universal. off it, but... Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, sorry. In 2020, in a time when we're focusing more and more on companies that need to be more responsible in how they're, quote, treating the planet in all shapes and forms, um, it's, it's certainly a welcome change. We're going to leave the last story for next week. We'll see you then. Um, and we'll talk about the, the monopoly in the tech world. because It stays relevant. It's a big issue. It has been for quite some time. Until next week... You can find more episodes of the show over at munchtech.tv. You can find our newsletter, munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter for the ultimate guide to podcasting, munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide. Our interview with Steve Wozniak, munchtech.tv forward slash was. And of course, the episode after next week's, which will be 496, will be to celebrate a decade of the show, 10 years. Join us then. Until next week, have a great, safe and enjoyable week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.